welcome. Legally Brief presents Changing Our Institutions. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer who works with private and public companies, educational institutions, and sports organizations to identify root causes, confront historic failures, and boldly implement change to our institutions. This podcast is for corporate change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks who are committed to making our institutions work better for themselves and the next generation. I want to remind you that while I hope you enjoy every episode in the series that we're doing on changing our institutions, the content of this programming is not a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes or information, please head on over to my website. There you'll find information and you can sign up for newsletters and you can learn more about me and my practice. I'm glad you're here. Let's get ready and let's talk and make some changes. What happens when individuals decide that they're going to make a change? It may be a change that feels so small that it's insignificant. The change could be within their own selves. It could be within a bigger system. Their efforts can happen and they decide to make a change within their company, their community, their neighborhood. And the first thought is, will it have an impact? Will it make a difference? Does it really matter? And should you set out and embark on this chain change when you are a David or Danielle and you're fighting a bigger system, a system that feels like a Goliath? Not too long ago, I joined a group of highly skilled legal minds, attorneys at Grising Law. One of the welcome gifts that I received when I joined the firm, among other things, was a shirt that read on the front, small but mighty. Now, I loved what this shirt conveyed because it captures really my personal and professional story. Physically, my physique, I'm not necessarily what we would consider on average a small person or petite. In fact, as a child, I was overweight. And over time, as gravity and I began to stretch out, I now stand at about 5'9", maybe I'll push it up to 6 feet. But if I put on heels, I could stretch out to be about 6'2". Now I enjoy my height. I enjoy taking up the space that I have and that, you know, I've been given. My father is tall. My brother is tall. Sorry, Sandra, which is my sister. She uh, didn't quite make it past um, 5'4". I don't know if she'll agree with that. But Needless to say, when you are small in comparison to the change and the system that you're seeking to change, you can feel that it won't matter. You can feel that you're just going to be silent, invisible, and voiceless. And why bother? Especially when you're thinking about how can I set out to correct the wrongs that I'm seeing if it's in a business setting, if it's in an educational, judicial, or judicial setting. Now, when I believe or sit and contemplate and wonder where change should happen, and for me, you have to pick your battles and pick your issues. And one of the issues that I know 
that I'm dedicated to seeing change is within institutions and how they deal with and interact with workers, with individuals in the sports arena, how we interact and how we view competitive athletes. When I think about those changes, it can be overwhelming and you can think that it's really hopeless because of all the obstacles that are built in, already established within those systems. I draw from a strength when I think about going ahead and doing these changes, be it the change through picking up a podcast mic and having conversations. Yesterday, I recorded a podcast on the um, show that is sponsored by Law Clerk, talking about the business of law and what I think that I can do and what I have been doing. So that's one of the ways that I know that I can make change. The other way is by the work that I do every day in a legal setting and within a law firm. But when I do feel hopeless and when I do feel that there's this pointless, nothing will change, I think about past strangers. I think about role models that have gone before me and how one person who is beating a drum for change, how it works that people do listen and that we can't be hopeless, that it is very often, if not the norm, it's actually the norm, that when any significant changes within happens within a larger system, it is because one person started it and it's a ripple, it's a domino effect. In the book, Cassandra Speaks, the author discussed both historical and mythological female figures. These figures sounded the alarm, so to speak. They pushed back against systemic problems, issues, and they were demanding change. These women were female voices. And in response to these voices going against established structures and systems, they were often ostracized, they were assassinated, killed, retaliation, and all because they saw a wrong and they alerted others and they sought change. For the last, what, 50 or more episodes, for the majority of the episodes I've been recording this show since 2020, I've interviewed, I've discussed, I've talked about men, women, and children who were injured, who encountered violence, be it in the form of sexual or physical violence, do over the course and while they were pursuing competitive sports and their athletic careers. Now, sports, that's one system. And I saw patterns when I started taking those cases. And it was a disturbing, the same disturbing pattern that I had seen as a prosecutor. And it was something that was, I could not just take these cases and not say anything about what was very apparent to me to be something where we can make changes. How many times, all of us listeners, do we hear about the new uncovering, the new reveal of another scandal? And I hesitate to call these scandals because usually when they fully come to light and you hear about the survivors, when you hear about the cover-ups, they've usually been going on for 10, 15 years. So they're a known secret. They are out in the open. It's just for fear. It's for maybe it's normalized the behavior, the abuse, the violence has been normalized, that they stay and they're not 
prosecuted, they're not taken seriously, and that leads to harm and trauma in all of us. We all are connected. So when someone is hurt and it's not addressed, that leads to shame. The If it's a child, they become an adult. They themselves be, have family. They have families. We go, we work with them. We all live together. So it impacts and it affects all of us. And that's the change that I'm really seeking when I talk, when I have these discussions, and when I think about how can we as individuals, when we think about and we see a problem, we have to move. We have to think that it is possible. We have to think we're small but mighty and that we can affect and bring about impact even in larger systems. So for this podcast, the past couple of months, that's what I've been talking about. I've been talking about how can I, in the position that I'm in, and how can you, listener, in the position that you're in, not be overwhelmed when we think about the change that, changes that need to happen within our systems. You think about the most recent societal, social Civil Rights Awakening in America, it's been, wouldn't it start maybe in 20, the end of 2019, 2020 is I guess when it really hit a crescendo with the murder of George Floyd. And it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't something on a government level where individuals on, you know, your elected leaders were coming in and passing legislation and revamping systems. No, it was one or two or three or a group of individuals who started movements, who started marching, who started demanding change. And that's exactly how it happens on every level. It is a grassroots level. So I found that to affect these small changes to start small and really see that ripple effect that you have to be consistent. And that's what leads to the bigger, more impactful change. As I was saying, the majority of the shows and the discussions that I've been having, the interviews, while they have focused on patterns and ways to think about, bring about and crystallize the issues and the abuse that I've seen in competitive youth sports, going forward, this show will talk about change makers and talk about how we as individuals can join together and make an impact on the systems that are are not responding, that are not listening, that are not hearing, and where we have those open secrets. I want to fill the coming shows with conversations and ways that we can collaborate with each other, the ways that we can best work together. Change will happen. We will, you will see on an individual level, you will see a turning of the tide. History says so. We see it in history. We see it with civil rights movements. We see it with whistleblower laws that were enacted and have been updated. And whistleblower laws, in short, are legislated laws that protect individuals when they come out within a system, be it against an employer, when they talk about corruption. Um, There's whistleblower laws that protect government employees when they expose waste within the government. So that protects them. So those are things that happen because someone started on an individual level and they had an impact. So tides can change when we start on the macro level, when we start in our friend groups, in our neighborhoods, in our office groups, 
And why does this happen? Because you have to remember, and I do take it seriously, that we are small. You are small as an individual, but what you are thinking about, the vision, the power, the energy that you put toward something. I really believe that when you have a vision, when you have a hope of change, that it will happen. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow, or even in your generation, but a vision and an energy of individuals striking out to do something and to make a change that's positive, it will happen. Look at the Black Lives Matter movement. Look at the Me Too movement. These are things, those are examples and inspirations that we can use. Some other examples that I want to leave you to inspire you with of how we see changes that happen on the grassroots level that we're all benefiting for from. Look at, you know, these are common names that you may not even need to Google, but they're names that you remind your kids of, remind yourself of when you're, you know, putting your head down and saying, this is hopeless. I won't see anything happen in my employment. I won't see there's no difference. There's no reason to speak out. Just this is the way it is. Think of individuals. You know, this is a big one. An individual like Harriet Tubman. Think about Marcus Garvey. I'm going to someone that I learned about and that was such a huge inspiration to me, Viola Luzzi. She was born in 1925 and was killed in March 25 of 1965. She was a white woman, an American civil rights activist who listened to the call of Martin Luther King. And she traveled from her comfortable home in Detroit, Michigan. She didn't have to. And she went to Selma, Alabama. And while returning back from that trip, she was murdered by the KKK. She left, I think, she had more than three children. And she was in her, what, early, she was in her 30s when she set out. She said, I can make a difference as an individual. And for that, she paid with her life. Mary Ann Carey, she was born in 1823, believing that she herself, small and in unbelievable circumstances, in the middle of slavery, she spoke out. She was taught by her parents that it was worth it. It was worth the fight as an individual to fight for equality. She provided shelter to fugitive slaves. That happened when the systems were so oppressive that you risk your life and your safety and the safety of your family. Think about and be inspired by Nanny Burles. She devoted her life to empowering women, Black women. She helped establish the National Association of Colored Women in 1896. And she also founded the National Training School for Women and, and Girls in Washington, D.C. in 1909. These are individuals, singular and alone, small but mighty, who saw a problem, started, put their energy, put the vision behind it, and made changes that I'm benefiting from, that you, our daughters, and our sons are benefiting from. Fast forward, you can go back and listen to my episode from two weeks ago. It was a two-part episode that up with Don Masabni. She was celebrating her daughter's birthday. Less than 72 hours after celebrating that birthday, she watched her daughter, a healthy athlete, college freshman, die there at home fade in front of her very eyes from menstrual toxic shock syndrome, something I had only heard of in passing. She now has founded the Don't Shock Me Foundation, 
and is doing something that I applaud and I thank her every time I see a tampon box. Now I can't even pass, you know, the section when I in the store and look at tampons without thinking about this woman and what she's doing for all of us, for women, for our daughters, for our sisters. She is working with local and national legislators. She's sounding the alarm and saying that if we just have real warnings on boxes of tampons, it will save lives. It will let women know that if you have these sudden symptoms, you can go from being walking around healthy, happy, holding your child's hand, going to work. And within a matter of hours of using a tampon, you can slip into these symptoms that none of us know about. She's also working on legislation where doctors and physicians, when they see a woman arrive with mysterious symptoms, they'll know to ask, ask one more question. Have you used a tampon recently? What is your, what's your cycle? What's your menstruation status? Just that one question that isn't asked now can save a life. So that's someone, use that, use Don Masabi and go back and listen to her episode and see how one individual is making a change right now within a system. The last two points that I want to leave you with on this episode to inspire you to continue to make changes is something that I think that really bothered me this week. Well, actually, I learned about it and I've been following it. So, you know, I'll bring it to your attention. And this may not be your issue and maybe it is, but it's two ongoing problems that are impacting us financially. And they're just continuing to go. And I know that if we join together, we can affect change. Has anyone heard of the pink tax? Okay, let me tell you what the pink tax is if you don't know what it is. The pink tax is a tax on women's goods. So it's a gender-based tax that results in women automatically paying more for the identical or very similar products that men pay for. In 1994, the California Assembly, they launched a research, a study, and they found that because of this pink tax, which essentially works out to be a gender tax, women on average, and now this is in 1994, so factor in inflation, women pay on average each year over $1,300 more for products than men. It's a very gender-specific pricing structure. And now I'm getting these stats from bankrate.com. And it's reported that these items, they cost women more. And that's what's known as the pink tax. Now, some states and state legislatures, they are pushing back and outlawing this pink tax. For example, in October of last year in 2020, the New York state, the legislation was passed where they banned the pink tax and made it illegal to charge more for women's products. But this added expense, this pink tax, this gender-based tax is complicated especially when you factor in the gender gap, the pay gap that women are continuing to face. Here in the United States, 
on average, white women earn about 79 cents for every dollar that a white male will make. Consider black women like myself, we only earn 62 cents on average for every dollar that a white male makes. And then women, my Latinx sisters, they make about 54 cents for every dollar that a white male makes. So think about the pay gap. And then on top of that, add this pink tax. To me, that's an issue. If this resonates with you, what do you do? What is the small but significant change you can make? I want you to do a very simple search of your state. Type in your state, wherever you're listening to this from. Type in pink tax. Is it banned? If you see that your state does not ban the pink tax, you can very easily, still in that search, find out who your state and national, your federal representative is, your congressperson, your your representative, your senator. And I want you to rip off an email. You can do it right on their websites. In the subject line, type in ban the pink tax now and tell them that the pink tax impacts you, your pocketbook. It's wrong and it harms us all. Small but mighty change that you can do. The other change that I am bringing to you, something that is on my radar and that I think about constantly and that I work for is the use of the language that we use. So part of, you know, one of the visions that I have for change systemic larger changes, part of the change that I see that's important is the language that we use and how we look at words around shame and trauma and healing. And a lot of this goes to when I talk about the different clients that I've worked with and now the companies that I work with when we talk about their internal investigations and how to make companies and systems better. But it is important to as much as possible, be mindful about the words that we use because the words we use can have an impact and it can make a change, especially that the words that we use when we're thinking of and we're in the presence of children. For example, if you are in the educational system, and even if you're not in the educational system, if you have school-age child, if you're interacting with them, think about, and I want you to look into these terms. I want you to start thinking about how we can, on a community, on a family, on a grassroots level, look into the whole concept of neurodiversity. When we think about neurodiversity, you will see that there's changes coming about and the elimination of things such as SAT and ACT scores. Now, it's not only because of COVID that these testing, standardized testings have started to fall out of favor, but it's also because I've seen a trend with people understanding and being more accepting of the way that individuals learn, process information, and present. It used to be that when I was in school, there was a very harsh line between you're smart, you're not smart. You get it, 
This person is on a college track. This person isn't. This person is dumb. This person isn't good at math. Now, through a better understanding of neurodiversity, not using those words, and this is kind of the words that I know that we shouldn't use and I want us to be mindful of that I know will make a change is that we stop saying this label such as smart, labels such as, you know, remedial, special, special education. I know that word is still very popular and it's used, but it does have a damaging impact I have seen for individuals that have come to me that I've helped many times. They were early on received or heard these labels, were put into different groups within the educational system, within their you know, friend groups. And from that, they then started to believe because they had an authority figure, either call them dumb, call them not smart. There's one term that was used very recently by a someone in a position of authority. And it's that phrase, you're not going to be a rocket scientist. Can you imagine a six-year-old hearing that from someone that they don't know any better in in their mind, this individual is bigger than them. They're a teacher. They're going to believe it. They're going to carry them with that. We have to stop thinking in those terms. We have to stop labeling and putting that shame on individuals. That's a change. If we can stop that on our individual levels, that's a change that's going to help us all. Those are two changes that I wanted to bring to your attention. If you may have your own issue, you may have your own vision of where you can start and maybe you've already started. I would love to hear about how you, in your group, in your setting, how you're setting out to bring about change. I Those types of things excite me when I know that other people are out there when they're setting about and they're motivated because it's hard. It is tough to stay motivated when you know that there are structures, there's systems. But not only that, it's just everyday life. Just just getting up, getting yourself to work, getting yourself fed, just yourself, and forget that if you have a partner or if you have a family, those are all things that make it feel almost impossible to push back. So all of this making the being a small person within a big system, this all aligns with what I am talking about and the method that I believe is possible to make these changes. And I call it my active method. And I won't go through it in detail. I've done it in past episodes and I encourage you to adopt this method. And it, it just briefly, it involves being aware being aware of where it is, what it is that you're seeking to change, joining and looking for a community that also shares that ideal, being measured, being time measured, knowing that change doesn't happen immediately, tempering your expectations so you do not become despondent or discouraged. And then it also involves implementing, having that plan and implementing, understanding that everything that matters happens grassroots. Everything is grassroots. And it is shifting the mindset 
being, shifting your energy, whether you are a survivor of something and that's your motivation for change, not seeing yourself as a victim, knowing that you are that experience, what's happened to you has given you that know-how, it's given you that experience and given you that authority to set out. And then finally, the last step in the method that I believe will help any change maker is being an encouraged activist. And that's the hardest part because you are inspired to do something. There's a wrong in a system. There's a wrong in your company and you want to bring about that change, that movement. And you have to know that sometimes you will feel jaded. Sometimes you will feel despondent, but you can stay encouraged because remember, I gave you some examples of individuals who are on their own. They started and they did not give up. And so we can, when you're feeling despondent, you can draw on those examples or others in your life of individuals who did make changes because they were small, they were mighty, and we're benefiting from it, from the changes that they made. It was such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And until next time, be well. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship this information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances you should review your particular circumstances with an attorney all liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed